when I think of nerd metal, that is what I think of. Black metal is like the pinnacle of deep, weird, obscure, like you get into it and it's a hole you, you can't get out of because it's, to me, it's too interesting. You are listening to Inside Skookum, the podcast that takes you behind the scenes of a growing tech company. Today, Brad Schmidt and I are sitting down with Dre Stepanyuk. Dre is an interesting guy and somebody that we all love in the office, and you're going to see why. We're going to talk about everything from Dre's path to Skookum, his family's path to the United States, as well as some of the things he's passionate about, like death metal, automobiles, and having arguments over Slack with coworkers. All in good fun. Dre's a great guy, and you're going to get to see why everybody likes him. So with that, let's get to know Dre. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. We are sitting down with the juice. Dre. Dre. The juice, the living legend, the one and only. (laughs) Dre is a legend at Skookum. He really (laughs) is. Started off in the Charlotte office, now in Denver. That is correct. That's right. Soon to be sent off to the Ukraine office. Oh, yeah. Yeah, now that we're a global logic company, we have a Ukrainian office, and Dre is uh, from the Ukraine. That is correct. Tell us about that. Uh, yeah, so I'm from Ukraine. Uh, we immigrated here when I was a toddler still, but spent uh, a full year and a half out there, so tons of memories, you know. Yeah, yeah. I remember all of it. It was great. <laughs> uh, still got lots of friends. Still, yeah. I'm just saying, English was my second language, so... If I you know slip here or there, you got to give me a little bit of slack. Yeah. That's my excuse for everything. If I have any spelling mistakes, I'm like, I'm sorry, dude. It wasn't my first. Hey, man, those 18 months. That was it. Was a struggle. <laughs> yeah. It was embedded. So when you guys came to the states, uh, did you come straight here, or did you were you anywhere else before coming to the states? Uh, no, yeah, we we came straight to the states, but we went to Philly. So I spent a lot of my childhood actually going back and forth from Philly to Charlotte. And uh, that's pretty much where I grew up, though, was like spending split time in Charlotte and then split time in Philly, uh, primarily Charlotte, though. But yeah, I would go back and forth because Philly has a really big Slavic community out there. You moved here when you were 18 months old, right? America, yeah, yeah, yeah. To yeah. America. Yeah, to America. Um, before you moved to the stateside, you grew up um, in the Ukraine and it wasn't super far from Chernobyl. That is right? correct. And but you still have you said you still have a lot of family that are back there, right? That uh, yeah. And do you ever get back to talk to them? Do you like what? Do you have any connections still? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, I talked with uh, my birthday was this last weekend, and my uncle from Ukraine called me. Talked to him. Uh, that was super super cool. And then um, yeah, so my dad's side of the family, they all still live there. And uh, to actually touch on your Cher- Chernobyl uh, statement, uh, if anyone here or, or listeners have seen the show Chernobyl on HBO, uh, the scene where they had the liquidators come out and it was just random people who were basically getting enlisted to like go out and like, you know, fight in the war. But instead they were cleaning up the streets of Chernobyl, yeah, the, the yeah. liquidators. Yeah. So my uncle, uh, was one of them. Okay. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, uh, he was in a, like his brigade or, you know, troop, whatever you want to call it. There was about, there's like 25 people in there. Uh, he's in his 60s right now, and he's the only one out of that troop that's still alive. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, so everyone ended up getting sick and passing. So it's like, it's very real, like the impact Chernobyl had on uh, people and the health, and it's yeah. like, 
it's it's yeah it's pretty insane but yeah so i had an uncle who was doing that and you you can speak the language too right yep i speak uh ukrainian and russian uh russian a lot better than ukrainian but i can understand ukrainian fluently and then i can also understand belarusian no kidding so did you, did you just always grow up speaking it or was it something that you yeah like, i wasn't kidding on? when i said english was my second language yeah no but, <laughs> but so because a lot of folks a lot of folks um uh, like i had uh, my wife's family came from uh poland okay and czechoslovakia and uh and you would hear the grandparents always speaking it at the around the dinner table but like none of the kids ever learned it and then mm-hmm. the grandkids obviously didn't learn it either so i was but you, with your parents coming straight from uh ukraine i'm assuming like that was probably something that was just first you know yeah just a common uh, common thing in your household, right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I didn't even speak English for the first time until I went to school. So oh, when I went to school for oh, like no. kindergarten, uh, was when I first learned English. Um, huh. so I would say all of my cousins, like even a mass majority of them are younger than me. They all still speak Russian. It was a very important piece of, I would say like our culture that we wanted to keep up within the family. Uh, my mom's side, I have a lot of cousins. Um, and, it was just like an important part that like everyone needed to learn and still understand and still speak yeah. Russian. And when we get for big family gatherings, all that, we still try to speak Russian to each other. Um, and like eventually, you know, it's just a natural you know piece of just like being integrated in a different society, a different culture that you're going to start to just speak that language a lot more, right. you know, vividly and whatnot. But uh, it's something that I try to keep on to. And like, I try to only speak to my parents in Russian just so I don't forget it. Cause I'm living out here by myself. So I don't really get to speak Russian a lot. Mm-hmm. So when I do, I try to be very adamant about speaking in it. For the folks who don't know you, what do you do at Skookum? Yeah. So at Skookum, I am a software engineer, uh, primarily focusing on front end, uh, but a little bit of back end experience as well. But I've been at Skookum for a whole two and a half, two and a half years now. Nice. Nice. So um, you're at Skookum now. You've been here for a couple of years now, but how how did you get to Skookum? What was your background? Like, Did you go to school for something in the IT field? Yeah. So it's kind of a, a little bit of a zero to hero story where uh, my background is not in anything uh, tech related. I spent, um, so my whole homeschool, or I'm sorry, my whole high school. Uh, were you homeschooled? Yeah, were I was homeschooled for homeschooled. it. It was like a homeschool. I was in like, I was just sitting at home and I was like, hey, I want to get into cars. So like, I just, I j- pretty much got on a race team with some buddies and we were uh, on a pro-am uh, drift team for about five years. And then I think when I was probably 20 is when I started when I went to school for the first time. I ended up pursuing uh, software development, but it was like, it bounced all over the place. And I was doing Java. I was doing some SQL, like just a very, very brief crash course into, you know, any kind of IT stuff. Like I did networking and like a bunch of stuff. Like it was basically all over the place, but it, the course shifted so much over that time that by the time I finished, instead of having one diploma, they gave me four. Cause they're like, we don't, I don't know. You were, you were subscribed to all of them. They're like, I don't know. We don't know what to do. Here you go. Is he had four majors? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. So they, I have like one degree, but I had four diplomas and then I had six or seven certificates and they were basically the same thing. So you had an entire wall full of. Yeah. They're yeah. just, it's the same thing. They're just named differently. Yeah. <laughs> there are people that go to school for like 20 years yeah, to get that same, that same amount of uh, yeah. diplomas. <laughs> That's funny. So that's basically, you know, in terms of school, and I would kind of went off the chart there a little bit, but from there, I. But I will say this yeah. is this is generally kind of 
your personality though. Like if you're going to do something, you're going to, you're going to go all in. Yeah. You can't yeah. ask me a question and expect like, you know, a half baked answer. I'm just going to go, you know, full set. Yeah, I, yeah. Would, I would describe you as a man of conviction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when, Gre- when, when Dre believes something, he believes it wholeheartedly and he's going to give you all of the reasons why he believes that. That is correct. Yeah. I know a couple things that uh, are, have become hot topics around the office. You're a huge, a huge proponent of front wheel drive and leasing. You're very pro leasing of vehicles. Is that an accurate <laughs> assessment? We're going to go in on no comment on this one <laughs> for the sake of argument. It's, I don't think we have enough time. They're, so the they're... inside joke here is that the, on our uh, Slack channels, uh, internal Slack channels, you you and a handful of people had a, an epic go around about some of these conversations that just became kind of a fun talking point. But mm-hmm. uh, Dre, again, was somebody who was, hey, this is what I believe, and I'm going to tell you all the reasons why I'm correct. Mm-hmm. That is correct. That's. <laughs> yeah. um, I will admit I'm wrong, but you're going to have to try to convince me and prove to me that I'm wrong. And if you don't, then I'm going to assume that I'm right. <laughs> so, and then the problem as well is that I'll get into these conversations, and as I do, I'll leave a comment, and then immediately I will go into another room with a coworker here in Denver and be like. Oh, I don't have time to do this argument. They're like, then why'd you say anything? <laughs> so you I just, go in another room and start prepping your, yeah, your yeah. battle back and forth. I immediately <laughs> start venting about how like I'm not ready for this argument when I'm the one who started it. What do you feel like is has been the biggest like slack argument? Yeah, the biggest slack argument that you've been a part of. Oh, cars for sure. But like, was there a specific topic about cars? There's two: the the four wheel drive thing. Yeah. And, t- and and for the folks who don't know, uh, who weren't a part of it, what yeah. was the conversation? There was a character who told, uh, or her, her voice, their opinion that uh, Toyota 4Runners are perfectly fine being two-wheel drive. And I, I, I lost it. <laughs> <laughs> I went some into, people, yeah. some people, it's, you know, a matter of mm-hmm. politics. It's a matter of like, you know. Hot, hot social topics that are very controversial for you. It's front wheel drive, two wheel drive, forerunners. That that was it. I mean, listen, we live in Denver. I will say, I used to have a real rear wheel drive forerunner, a '97, and it was if you didn't turn the four wheel drive on that thing, that thing was terrible in the snow. But that's the and that's the thing is like you will admit that. But this person was trying to convince me that there's no reason four wheel drive has any use, and I was. (laughs) beating my head against my desk at the, you know, my office. There was another one. It was about uh, leasing or owning a vehicle. I have flipped quite a few cars in my life. Like flipped them? No, 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 not like flipped them, like bought and sold. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, yeah. you know, maybe. I'm like, you were in the Drift series. Yeah, you? I was. <laughs> I was like, maybe. <laughs> maybe. I'm surprised, honestly, that I haven't actually legitimately flipped a car. Yeah, that's. Yeah. I've gotten close, but yeah. we'll see. <laughs> So you ended up graduating. I'm going to backtrack a little yeah, bit. Yeah, you ended up course. graduating uh, with multiple diplomas um, mm-hmm. and, and certificates. And then what was the first step out, out of college? Uh, so I started working at this company, uh, nothing to do with any kind of development. It was in cell phones. So yeah, that was a, a riveting experience. Uh, I quit. And then I felt like I just got out of jail. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm a free man. I can do anything I want. Uh, So I went to go work, obviously, at a motorcycle, a Russian motorcycle shop. 
I did that for a year and a half, I believe. After that, it was, uh, you know, I'll give you the TLDR on it. I spent almost a year unemployed, uh, just ramping myself up as fast as I can, just kind of revisiting all those topics I learned in school. But then I realized everything I learned in school was pretty much obsolete and that it was all legacy stuff. Well, because at that point, how yeah. long would you have been out of school? Probably a year and a half, two years. Yeah. So it wasn't even yeah. that long. It just kind of goes to show you how quickly everything evolves. Yeah. And even then it was like the stuff we learned in school, it wasn't really targeted towards, you know, getting you up and running with a modern development environment. It was just like, hey, this is the backbone of how, you know, Java works, or this is how HTML looks like, or this is how CSS can potentially work. So you weren't doing anything cool, innovative, exciting. It was just like, you know, a bit of like prerequisite work to like what are fundamental computer yeah, science. Understanding fun, yeah, like web, web fundamentals and like all kinds of stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So from there, I ended up transitioning to, I'm like, well, what's the best way of, you know, getting a job in this field? Because every article you read, it's like the hardest part of this process isn't, you know, the job, it's the job hunt. So after a full year of like pursuing it full time, trying to do it, I would just bounce around back and forth, like looking for places, uh, applying everywhere and anywhere I could. But that's kind of the curse of being a junior in this industry is that you have to convince an employer to take a risk and be able to hire you. You know, networking is obviously a huge component, huge factor in this industry. So for me, uh, one of the main things I really had to do was uh, butt myself up and start going to as many meetups as I could. And during that process, I started to learn like, oh, wait people are using frameworks and like people are doing this because most of my development experience was in Java. And then I did a little bit of video game development, trying to wrap up or ramp myself up to potentially get a job in that industry. But as I was going to these meetups, I had like accidentally gone to a front end meetup. And during that time, I went to two or three of them. And then I was like, you know what? I actually kind of really like front end stuff. So I started going to more of these meetups, started meet new people there, which is funny because the first meetup I went to, I met three or four people that ended up, two of them ended up working at Skookum later. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. And the first meetup I went to was at Skookum. Oh, no way. Yeah. So was Skookum the first gig that you got or was there somebody else before Skookum? How did, who did you end up finally getting your foot in the door with? Yeah. Outside of like freelance clients, Skookum was my first shot and I ended up just uh, befriending uh, one of the devs here at Skookum. And uh, just kind of committing and helping out with one of the meetup groups in Charlotte called uh, Charlotte Junior Devs at the time. and ended up transitioning to Charlotte Developer Group. Uh, and during that time, I just try to help out as much as I can, try to host meetups, try to go to them, you know, help out with whatever I could, any way I could just to make an impact on that community. Uh, and eventually it got noticed and someone said it was, hey, it's worth taking a shot. I think I think we can get into the uh, yeah. where are you a nerd, Dre? And I know Dude, there's, there's is... a number of areas. So oh, it's, where do we want to touch on, really? How many um, hours do you have? Yeah. <laughs> How much time? So, so you're a big fan of uh, easy listening. Easy uh, listening. Like soft rock. We know that. Right? Yacht rock. <laughs> we know you're in the <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I nerd out about a couple of things. Uh, when I was younger, I was in a couple of metal bands. So I did backup vocals, a lot of screams. And then I, you know, played lead guitar. And then right now I'm nerding out really heavily on snowboarding, just getting into progression, doing bigger features, learning how to jib better. Which just to, to interject real quick, we haven't said yet, but we are out working out of the Denver office right now. That is so correct. Yeah. Andre's talking about being into snowboarding. He's, he's in a prime location to really yeah. flush that habit out. 
Yeah, for sure. So this is like the first year I've taken it super seriously. I've done it when I was a kid younger, but now I can go like comfortably into terrain parks, do tree runs, just get better at my butters and like just a bunch of snowboard jargon. Uh, but other than that, like cars have been a huge influence in my life. So nerded out about that pretty significantly. Metal, uh, cooking. I'm a huge cooking nerd. It's, I, I'm curious yeah. about the metal. Okay. We've talked about this a little bit. We have. When you're listening to metal music, yeah. can you actually understand what's being said in the lyrics yes uh depending on what it is so there's a lot of times where if it's like obviously if you have a squeal it's just a squeal i don't think they're they're not saying anything yeah so sometimes it's sound effects but then but they're i mean they're obviously singing lyrics yeah absolutely like for somebody who very sporadically listens mm-hmm. to metal music. I can never understand what's being said. Yeah. And so I was just curious for somebody who's an avid listener, yeah. are you able to listen to that and just be like, Oh no, I'm following. I'm tracking you for the most part. Yeah. It just depends on what genre. Cause metal is a wide cover, right? I mean, you have bands where they do like a little bit more of like pop metal core. You're looking at it like stuff like a day to remember, or you get into like the grind core stuff where you're looking at like Chelsea grin and uh like carnifex and that's where it gets a little more difficult to understand what they're saying uh black metal is a very fun one because i don't i barely understand what they're saying (laughs) but it's i mean it's also made to sound really crappy on purpose yeah like for them it's like yeah like we want to record this on you know like the speaker that we just submerged in the ocean for three months and you know, we've dragged through sand and let's see if we can, you know, blow into it and make a cool sound. Like, <laughs> so on this, on the metal spectrum, yeah, yeah. like where, just for the, for, uh, to give some perspective here, okay. who's kind of like the premier black metal band? Uh, you can't mention black metal without the band mayhem coming okay. up. Yeah. Black metal is an interesting movement where it was like kids in Norway, uh, in like the eighties, I think. Uh, or 90s, early 90s, maybe 80s, um, who were like sick and tired of death metal coming from Sweden. And they're like, okay, you know, life in Norway, it's way too good. We hate this. <laughs> we're going to make m- music about the devil. And <laughs> it's a rebellion against. It's a rebellion everything. about life being too good. I mean, those Scandinavian countries, every like study yeah. you read, it's like they have like the best, you know, yeah. happiness, life, happiness, satisfaction, yeah. all this stuff. And so. you got to, I mean, you got to draw the line somewhere. Uh huh. Yeah, you know? Like it's too much. It's too good. Listen, yeah. Like, let's get angry about it. I know it. we've worked hard to progress as a society, but at mm-hmm. some point we just got to say enough is enough. <laughs> So it's that when I think of nerd metal, that is what I think of. Black metal is like the pinnacle of deep, weird, obscure. Like you get into it and it's a whole you you can't get out of because it's to me, it's too interesting. You've told us before is you listen to metal as you're coding at work every day. Is that on the headphones? That that is correct. It's a soothing soothing process. It depends on what I'm doing. But for the most part, there's a couple of things I listen to. Uh, If I'm in the zone and I know exactly what I'm doing, like what I'm trying to achieve and I know how to achieve it, I'll listen to like gangster hip hop, uh, a lot of like trap music, like Atlanta stuff. Um, I'll listen to any kind of metal, metal core, death metal, whatever. But if I'm like trying to read and understand and really think about stuff, I try to go on to the lighter side. I'll listen to stuff like Tycho. um, Or sometimes I'll listen to what's called Russian Doomer music. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, 
playlists of sad Russian songs that like you listen to and you just kind of get depressed listening to them. But and this is like when you're trying to really concentrate. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like I need I need some depressing stuff to really put me in the zone. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but it's funny because everyone here gives me crap about it in this office. So we have, uh, to give you guys a perspective, uh, there's a couple offices here that have window views. You can see the Rockies, you know, in a clear day straight of them. I don't sit in those rooms. I sit in a room by myself where I try to keep it as dark as possible. And then I just have my metal music going. So as I'm in this cave and then eventually I have to walk over into one of those rooms and ask someone for help. And I can feel the sun like sting me. (laughs) I mean, it makes me sound like this absolute vampire, but like I just get secluded in this cave. And I mean, it's winter right now. Like what? Count me some slack. But I get into these rooms and like, you know, the windows are open, the sun's shining bright. And like, it takes me a couple seconds to get my eyes adjusted. I'm like, hold on, before you show me this code, like, let me like blink, you know, a couple 40 times. <laughs> so, so there's too much light in the office. That's what you... certain parts of the office. Yeah. But, but you're, you're willingly subjecting yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I know what I'm doing, so I can't complain about it I because don't... I'm well, well aware of what I'm doing to myself. <laughs> so outside of the, outside of the food, yeah. the metal cars, mm-hmm. anything else that you nerd out on? Like I said, snowboarding, skateboarding, I don't know, just overall, like, you know, since I'm living in Denver now, just being out in nature, doing stuff where I could do, I don't know, just kind of explore new places and whatnot. The only other thing that I really nerd out on is I play this game called Escape from Tarkov. Escape from Tarkov? That is correct. Okay. It is made by Russian developers and people in the game. it's a video game. It is a video game. Okay. And it is a hyper-realistic first-person shooter. Um, And I play with people who used to work at Skookum as well. And it's it's pretty bad. It's as nerdy as you can get when it comes to like games. It's p- pretty much like the Dark Souls and like you know civilization of first person shooters. We used to worry about so many things that people were like, "This is dumb. Why are you? This is supposed to be enjoyable." Start Tarkov is stressful. Like and like I only like to play games that are stressful and realistic. Like I have a racing simulator set up in my office because life. Yeah, it's like Norway, you know. It's, exactly, it's, it's, it's too good. It's like a great experience. So you're like, <laughs> we're coming full circle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dre, we appreciate you taking the time with us, man. It's yeah, been fun. Appreciate Thanks, you guys having me. It's been super fun talking to you. And yeah, if anyone wants to learn more or you know reach out to me, you can find me. You have to come find me in Denver at the Terrain Park. <laughs> you have to get on the top of the mountain and yell, Dre, <laughs> or or a squeal, and I'll answer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but seriously, um, yeah, I don't know where to find me. Dre Stepping you, click me up. I'm somewhere. All right, with that, we'll close it out. And remember, until next time, don't forget to stay nerdy. Do you need more skookum in your life? Just because more of us are working from home nowadays doesn't mean you can't stay connected. All of our tech talks are being live streamed. And if you aren't already, make sure that you follow us on social. Until next time, don't forget to stay nerdy.